Did you know we can still hear the echo of the Big Bang from the creation of our universe? It was discovered 58 years ago, and we're going to learn about how two kick-ass nerds stumbled upon one of the biggest discoveries in cosmic history, all by accident. And it almost didn't happen because of some pesky pigeons. Next on Technically a Conversation. Greetings, super friends. Welcome to another episode of Technically a Conversation. Here, we like to share an interesting topic with each other, which we've recently learned, and hope you find it interesting too. I'm one half of your hosts, Isela. Joining me, as always, is better than a geek squad, Jose. How are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Good. Especially now that you fixed all my technical issues. Yeah, I want to apologize, I guess, after the fact for the last episode, the D.B. Cooper episode. Sorry about the song quality. We're having a lot of technical issues, but looks like everything is working fine now. So sorry if um, the song quality was not up to what you all have come to expect from technically a conversation. Yes. My apologies because it was all on my side. So I apologize about that. That's okay. After you paid me the $200 and I went and fixed your computer, (laughs) everything is all good now. I do owe you that much practically. (laughs) No, no, you don't owe me anything. Lunch for the rest of the year. (laughs) (laughs) So brief reminder, we still have that great opportunity to win your very own Super Sissy Technically Conversation t-shirt. Tell them what they got to do, Jose. It's super easy. Just leave us a review, send us a screenshot to one of our socials, we're at Greetings TAC everywhere. Once you do, we'll read it on the show and we'll do a drawing to give the winner a sexy, <laughs> technically a conversation t-shirt. So check out technicallyaconversation.com or the show notes for all the deets. Great. Quick shout outs. Thank you to the Queens, Elena and Erica, the Duke, Stephen B, Cover Your Eyes podcast, Adriana, Cesar, Special shout out to Noel. Thank you for getting us three new super friends. We definitely owe you. Thank you so much. Woohoo! Oh, you know what that deserves? Yes! I'm so excited about that. <laughs> I always forget to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We're going to kick it off with a question, as we normally do. Do you remember an instance where you had, let's say, a happy accident and not like, you know, like an accident when you went to the bathroom, but I, <laughs> like a happy accident. I can give you some time to contemplate your answer and then share an example of what I mean. And then you can tell me, or if you already know off the bat, quick draw McGraw, then you can share. Nothing's quick draw McGraw when it comes to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I'll share an example of what I mean. Dr. Alexander Fleming came back from vacation or back from holiday, right? As they would say over there in the UK. (laughs) He noticed that his Petri dish that had staph bacteria was growing mold and where it was contained, it was actually containing that staph bacteria. Bada bing, bada boom. Bon Jovi. We got penicillin. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) We got penicillin, which of course helps with pneumonia, syphilis, gonorrhea. So for those of you who have moves like Jagger, those last two might be super beneficial to you. 
Did you know that he told his biographer that he slept with over 4,000 women? Mick Jagger or the Maroon 5 guy? Mick Jagger. Well, way to go, I guess. <laughs> All I'm saying is you don't pull in high numbers like that and not know what penicillin is. That's hard to believe anyway. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why he's constantly moving. Yeah, this is true. I like how comfortable I am talking about Mick Jagger also, because I'm pretty sure he's not going to hear this. <laughs> and not because we're small potatoes, we're not like small papas over here, but more so because he's probably hard of hearing by now. <laughs> that and he probably doesn't know what a podcast is. Ah, this poor dude, right? So, did you have some time to think about it? I can't think of anything like that that has happened. Oh, sad trombone. Okay. I don't live a very interesting life, sadly. <laughs> That's funny. Usually all my accidents are planned. Oh, well, that's good too, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how that happens. <laughs> all right. If you think of something, we can circle back. Okay. Today, we're going to learn about a very happy accident when a couple of cool ass nerds stumbled upon the echo of the Big Bang, which is one of the most exciting discoveries of the universe. <laughs> I was hoping that was going to sound more Skeletor, you know, He-Man type of thing. I guess it didn't work. Sorry. Jokes aside, though, we definitely know that it was a very huge discovery. Do you know how I can tell? Because we still talk about it. This is true. And they ended up winning the Nobel Prize in physics 14 years later. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty big. It is like the Big Bang. It is. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> just to set the foundation, I'm going to briefly explain the Big Bang Theory, but the Cliff Notes edition, if you will. And if you got that joke, you're over 40. Congratulations. <laughs> Back in 1915, general theory of relativity explained gravity, in very basic terms anyway, was that space and time was more of a fabric that could be stretched and warped or maybe even dented. So imagine more like the fabric of spandex, right? <laughs> when Einstein did the math, he saw that the universe is expanding, but for some reason, he dismissed his own theory and for some reason thought, rubbish, we shall never speak of this again. <laughs> but he never really brought this up. He just dismissed it. But along comes Edwin Hubble, who discovers that all the galaxies in space are moving away from us. Moreover, what's even wackier is the further away the galaxies are, the faster they're zooming away from us. Since the universe is expanding, it's logical to imagine us rewinding back the tapes, if you will, almost as if we were watching the atom bomb explode, but in reverse. The universe would have started with a single point, also known as a singularity, just before it started to expand, or as the expansion was taking place is what we're going to be talking about. It wasn't actually a bang, so the name is a misnomer. Isn't that wild? Did you know that? I want to say I did, but um, continue. Okay. <laughs> so the name is a misnomer, kind of like Ariana Grande or Ariana Grande. She's more like Ariana Chiquita. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so most of this information uh, comes from a whole bunch of interviews. We're going to put all the links in the show notes. Um, you have to check a couple of these out. These two guys, these cool ass nerds that I'm talking about are super interesting and they're so down to earth. Hopefully, you guys check out a couple of the videos. Are you talking about Dr. Sheldon Cooper and Leonard? Yes, those guys. <laughs> the Big Bang Theory? Yeah. 
<laughs> We're going to be talking about Arno Penzias and Robert Wilson, the guys who discovered the cosmic microwave background radiation. It's a very happy accident indeed. That definitely sounds cool. Yeah. It was during this big expansion that I was talking about when all the heat and the light is basically what the gentleman found, all the heat and the light. The story is really cool, like I said, because they won the Nobel Prize. And as I'm going to mention later, they didn't even really realize how big what they kind of stumbled upon, which is even even more crazy to me. A 30-year-old Arno Penzias and his colleague Robert Wilson, who was 27 at the time, worked in Holmdel, New Jersey at Bell Labs, specifically to work with the horn antenna. Small interesting tidbits. Arno Penzias was uh, born in Germany. However, his family immigrated to the U.S. and lived in New York City. He studied at City College and did his doctoral in uh, Columbia University. And interestingly, Arno took a temporary job with Bell Labs at the advice of one of the higher up people. Um, I guess like a mentor or something. And he said, you can always quit if you have a temporary job. So this is really giving me some real vibes of commitment issues going on. <laughs> but anyway, maybe it really wasn't, though, because he ended up staying with Bell Labs for 37 years. Oh, wow. So much for the whole, yeah, you can quit. <laughs> maybe it's just nice to know you have that backdoor exit thing going on. <laughs> I think it makes you more willing to take more risks, too. I agree with that. I think it's um, it's a little comforting, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. And Robert Wilson, he was born in Houston, raised in Dallas. Yippee-ki-yay! Right? I don't know. I feel like I should say something very Texan. <laughs> Robert did his undergrad in Rice University, his doctorate at Caltech. And let's talk about, for a really quick moment, what the horn antenna looks like. So it doesn't look like a regular, like a dish, like a telescope dish that one would think of, right? Like a concave thing. It's really weird. It's like six meters wide. We're going to put a picture in the show notes, but just know it's kind of a freaky thing, especially because on the other side, it has like a full on room, a little tiny room where all the instruments were housed. So it was weird. And you can tell they got cozy in there <laughs> and not in any other way other than just proximity wise. <laughs> No spooning? No, I don't think that was anything. <laughs> <laughs> this antenna was made as a solution, actually, to track satellites. One in particular, the echo balloon. A signal wave comes from Earth, and then it would hit the spherical balloon, which is the echo balloon, and then it would bounce that everywhere down below to return a signal. But that signal happened to be very weak. This is why Bell Labs created the horn antenna because it was a reflector and it would strengthen the signal. So one quick example, the horn antenna was used during Eisenhower's presidency. He had, I guess, called into JPL, the um, Jet Propulsion Lab. And from there, it was received at the horn antenna. And then it was broadcast on landlines all over the world. Isn't that kind of interesting? <laughs> the way things worked back then. That's pretty cool. But unfortunately, in 1962, another satellite went up and it kind of put Echo out of business. So these two guys, these uh, at first, it was Arno who stepped in and he wanted to use the antenna, but more so for his own things. He had just finished his postdoc thesis. And so he wanted to continue some of those items that he was researching. So he went over there. He particularly liked that it was small. 
And it had some really good qualities that would basically zoom in to one small part of the sky. And you can really measure the luminosity independent of all the other spots of the sky. About a year later, that's when Robert Wilson came to join him and they started working on that project together. But before they started working, they had to test and calibrate the instruments. The issue really here was that no matter what they did, their instruments were not setting to zero. What they kept saying was they kept seeing three degrees they couldn't account for. Three degrees, three degrees. It was all over all these uh, interviews that I was watching and um, like all these things that I was reading about. (laughs) And Wilson, what they actually meant was 2.7 Kelvin, which is three degrees above the absolute zero. Or for us, negative 454 degrees. At first, I thought they were literally just talking about three degrees. So I'm going to like be openly honest and say, (laughs) like, what's a big hoopla about three degrees? I'm sure I heat up my couch with a fart at least three degrees. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's really awful. On that wonderful, awful note, why don't we go ahead and take this moment to hear from our sponsors. And then when we come back, we're going to dive into this mysterious three Kelvin and dive on back in. I'll get my bathing suit on during the commercials. <laughs> it's got to be a thick one because it's going to be cold. <laughs> I'll put on the, uh, what is it, those uh, wetsuits? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hi, this is Dakota, host of ContraZoom Pod, where we go back and forth about film. I am obsessed with movies. I could talk about them all day. And if you're like me, then you'll love my podcast. Every week, we take a new topic, whether it's ranking a director's filmography, covering major film festivals, or getting way into Oscar season. While every week is different, we do have some recurring topics, like our Make Remake series looking at an original film and its remake, or our very popular A History Of program, taking an in-depth look, looking at some of the biggest companies involved in film, including Criterion, A24, and Neon. It isn't all super serious topics, though, as we always need to play catch-up with all the hottest Marvel Cinematic Universe news and general pop culture goings-on. There's something for every kind of movie lover, whether you want reviews, interviews, or in-depth conversations. ContraZoomPod is found on all podcatcher apps, and visit ContraZoomPod.com for even more information. Oh, hey there. I'm Holly. And I'm Sarah. And we're the hosts of Cover Your Eyes Podcast. We revisit the 80s and 90s movies of our childhoods and wonder, why the hell were we allowed to watch this? Is it too late now? Is the damage done? Join us and find out as we laugh our way through the trauma and take a lighthearted look at how these movies shaped our views on society, relationships, and sex. Open your minds and cover your eyes every Tuesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, how was your break? <laughs> good. Yeah? Just putting my wetsuit on. Okay, good. Yeah. Ready to go. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. We're diving back in with our lovely kick-ass nerds, Arno and Robert. They were scratching their heads because they couldn't figure out what these three degrees were. Here's just a quick rundown of some of the things that they looked at. Atmospheric radiation. Nope, not it. Well, they thought New York City is pretty close by, and it's huge, and it's loud and noisy. There's a lot of things going on. They pointed the antenna towards New York City, 
didn't get any stronger. Okay, definitely not that. Third, they thought the imperfect walls on this antenna. Definitely not that either. Fourth thing they thought, maybe it's tied to the seasons. They waited a full year. Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Still the same thing. Next, they thought, oh, yeah, that's right. The atomic bomb test took place in Hawaii. Surely those microwave radiations or whatever, the nuclear stuff, is probably interfering. So they waited again, also more time. Still the same static of the three degrees Kelvin that they kept seeing on their instruments and hearing. Moving on down the process of elimination, they had a very natural thought. They said, finally, let's go look inside the antenna. And what do they find? That they're actually sharing this antenna with a bunch of homeless people. I'm just kidding. No, they were sharing the antenna with a bunch of pigeons. (laughs) Isn't that what happened in Contact? I want to say that happened in that movie, no? Was it like birds or something? I remember the movie, but I don't remember. I need to watch it again because it's a freaking great movie. Yeah, I haven't seen it since the 90s either, so. (laughs) That's pretty rough. (laughs) I only have 30 years in there. (laughs) Anyway, so uh, what they ended up doing about these poor little pigeons, they were like, oh, no. And I know, Jose, that you're a really big fan of birds, so you wouldn't be surprised that I tell you. They found the antenna covered in pinched poops, but this is the hard cards that they were dealt. <laughs> That's the thing that I love the most about birds is their poop. <laughs> I know. I'm being very facetious. Feces. I'm just kidding. Once they discovered the pigeons and the pigeon poop, Arno and Robert, they shipped off all the pigeons to the company's nearest location, which was Whippany, New Jersey, and they got a broom and water, and they started cleaning off all the poo. I imagine this is definitely not what they had in mind when they were studying cosmic radiation at their Ivy League universities, right? (laughs) (laughs) And funny side note, the pigeons kept returning. So, I mean, of course, right? Isn't that like their whole thing? Like the pigeon honing, like they kind of keep returning? Like I thought they had their own little GPS. That's a very annoying quality of pigeons. Exactly. This is exactly what I kept thinking is like, well, of course they're going to return. But then I was like, well, how did they get rid of them? You know, it was like, I don't know. That's what it's like to be in my head. Just an abundance of questions. (laughs) (laughs) Back to our homies, Arno and Robert. They still had that dang static. And now they had one spotless antenna though, right? Bright side. (laughs) They both concluded, okay, it's definitely not coming from the earth. By happenstance, Arno was flying to Canada with someone named Bernie. They were going to go up there for some meeting. Not important. Was it Bernie Sanders? Yeah, he's been alive since back then. (laughs) Of course he was, but I don't think he was working on this. (laughs) He was asking Arno about the project, what he was working on. But Arno really got the feeling that, you know, he was more so implying like, why aren't you really working at a real academic institution as opposed to Bell Labs. So Robert tells him about all the stuff that they're working on. The guy finds out, you know, about like his issues, right? Oh, so because of course, Arno tells him about these three degrees. And Bernie tells Arno, you should reach out to Robert Dickey. And the reason why he was telling him was because Robert Dickey was doing some research that could possibly be related. Now that we have two Roberts going on, I'm going to call them by their last names, right? 
So check out how the stars really had to align for the suggestion of calling Dickie to even come about. Dickie already had the idea of a hot big bang. The expansion would cause all this radiation to cool. So the waves would be something more like microwaves now. Those microwaves are what Dickie and his two postdoctoral students were going to be searching for. One student, Jim Peebles, would crunch the numbers. And the other student, Dave Wilkinson, was set to build the antenna to search these microwaves. Jim Peebles had already finished all the calculations. So he asked his colleague, Dave, I was invited to speak at a colloquium at Johns Hopkins University. Do you mind if I share the calculations? Dave basically said, so cheesy, but he really did say, we're so far ahead of everyone, no one can catch us. Well, there was a guy in the audience who knew Bernie that was on the plane who told him about like, hey, I just saw this colloquium, check out what they're working on. And that's how Bernie knew to suggest to Arno to call Dickie. Isn't that like how all these things had to align for, it was like stars really had to align for that. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. So if that guy wasn't in the audience, or if Bernie didn't answer the call, I don't know. I imagine like the Nobel Prize winners would be very different. All hinged on small little decisions. Arno did call Dickie and told him what they were working on. When Dickie got the call, they were having a sack lunch in his office with the two postdoctoral students. And all the two students heard was Dickie mention these like key phrases like microwave radiation or thermal heat or um, three degrees Kelvin or whatever it was. Real important phrases and hangs up the phone and he says the following words. Boys, we've been swooped. One can only assume that he probably said it in a very defeated manner. Because they never needed to make the antenna. So what happened was he was invited, um, Arno invited Robert Dickey up and they all went up and they checked it all out. And sure as all hell, this is exactly what they had been looking for. These are the exact same measurements that Peebles had crunched. And I don't know, I feel like there's a really wonderful small lesson in here. Like, don't ever get too cocky. This whole phrase of like, we're so far ahead. No one can catch us. <laughs> Might have been that like cosmic challenge. Like, ah, si, vas a ver. You know, you'll see. You'll see. <laughs> what ended up happening eventually was Robert and uh, Arno Penzias won the Nobel Prize, but the other two guys did not. So my question is, how do you feel about that? Well, I feel like they wouldn't have won it had it not been for their contribution. So it almost feels like they were robbed a little. Yeah, I know what you mean. Or is it like, well, they found it first, but they just didn't know what they found. <laughs> it's kind of hard. Like, I'm still honestly internally torn. Like, I, I don't know how to feel still. Yeah, they, they definitely should have at least been mentioned, they feel. Yeah, but once they found out they were picking up the radiation, which is essentially the echo of the light of the creation of our universe, which is also, you know, known as the Big Bang, not the adult film. Um, the radiation is also known as cosmic microwave background. And that's what they discovered 58 years ago on May 20th, 1964. It's pretty wild. Wild and crazy. It, <laughs> it's pretty wild and crazy. Wild and crazy kids. 
these wild and dude, these men are pretty lucky though. That's fucking cool. I'm gonna share something with you because I kept thinking about these poor pigeons. <laughs> that's just that's just who I am. Okay, I'm gonna tell you this is an interview by Robert Wilson himself. So, um, but this is also in his like later years, so that's why he sounds a little bit uh, up there in years. But he explains about the pigeons. Uh, since time's a little short, I'll talk about two of these things. There were a couple of pigeons living in the antenna. <laughs> and we thought that pigeon droppings might actually have make microwave radiation. They would absorb <laughs> microwaves. So at some point, we replaced the receiver with a pigeon trap, caught the pigeons, put them in a box, put, shipped them in the company mail as far away as we could, which was Whippany, New Jersey. Uh, we found the name of a pigeon fancier, <laughs> sent them to him. He looked at them and said, these are junk pigeons, and let them go. <laughs> well, what do you expect? Two days later, <laughs> pigeons are back. <laughs> so, in the interest of science, our technician brought in a shotgun, and <laughs> that was the end of the pigeons. Then Arno... <laughs> Then Arno and I got up there in our lab coats with a broom and scrub brush and cleaned out the antenna. <laughs> Can you believe that? He admitted to killing the pigeons. <laughs> Never was there an animal more deserving. Mm, that makes me a little bit sad. That's so mean. <laughs> Okay, so this is the end of the uh, the learning. How did you feel about that? Did you already know about these two men who had discovered the microwave background radiation? I knew a very cursory version of that story. I didn't know all the details of it. Here's a little bonus fun fact. Even though Jim Peebles had crunched the numbers, some professor in Russia said that he had crunched those same exact numbers in 1940. Oh, wow. Yeah, so even he was robbed. Yeah, well, they say that invention and innovation doesn't happen in a vacuum. Sometimes or it's happened where there's multiple people inventing the same thing at the same time. They said that with Thomas Edison, that there were people already working on the light bulb in other regions, but I think he was the first one to patent it. Yeah, no, I, I can totally see that for sure. I mean, this one was, I don't know, it just seemed like it was such a big deal because, I mean, so far to date, um, it's the best evidence that we have of how our universe was created. Don't we always want to know that? Like, in the beginning, like, that's how this, every story starts. Like, what was the beginning? <laughs> you know, so we kind of have a portion of that now, thanks to these men. I don't know, it's pretty cool. And not only that, we found out how old the universe is because of their discovery. It's 13.8 billion years old. Still a youngster. Still a little sprightly chap because it's going fast, too. <laughs> we also found out what you know, the, how these elements were made, because they said during that explosion was when hydrogen was made, which is why it's, you know, on the periodic table of elements is like the first one. In fact, think about it. Every time you drink water, you are drinking the first element that was created. It's wild, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you sound so impressed. <laughs> Lovely. All right. No, that's not what I meant at all. <laughs> okay. I just thought that was kind of a weird pivot. <laughs> About about the elements? I mean, it's, it's not a pivot. It's, it's basically what their discovery allowed us to find out those early elements. 
And the earliest element was hydrogen, which is what we drink every day, or hopefully you drink every day. I got some right here. Holding one of the earliest elements of the universe. I think people take that for granted. Yeah, and a couple of oxygen molecules in there too. Yeah, that's how that works. So you had some fantastic feedback, which you would like to share. I do, as a matter of fact. Wonderful. The first bit of feedback that we got here was from our favorite podcast, Cover Your Eyes Podcast. They were writing in reference to the Zodiac Killer episode. Mm. They put down, what a great episode. We thought we had heard everything about the Zodiac, but you taught us a few things. <laughs> Thanks for the amazing shout out as well. Aw, yay. That's awesome. So thank you so much, Holly and Sarah. We appreciate the great feedback. Yes. Thank you for listening, ladies. We also got some great feedback from one of the queens, Erica. Oh. This was in reference to the English Channel Tunnel. This is a little long. I'll try not to mess it up while I read it. Okay. She writes, great podcast. I loved learning the story behind its construction. What a great engineering feat. There is this crime drama show I recommend called The Tunnel, where the detectives from both sides of the channel have to work together to solve mysteries and catch the bad guys. I always thought it was so weird to be in your car inside a train going under the English Channel, but people do it. Can you imagine being French and taking your car over to England and having to drive on the left side of the road? Ruffle. <laughs> Ruffle. R-O-F-L. Yeah, rolling on the floor laughing. <laughs> Ruffle. Ruffle. I was like, what? Oh, <laughs> thank you, Erica. I totally agree. I think that alone, like driving on the other side would be a little strange. Yeah, I think I would totally panic and just break down and start crying. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you let other people drive. Yeah. Chauffeur. I mean, it's a French word. <laughs> it is. You're like, okay, Sala, take over. I put my life in your hands. Oh my God. That's <laughs> the one place I don't know if I would want to drive us. <laughs> I would be scared driving on the opposite side of the car and the opposite side of the road. I think that would be one too many variables for me to be able to learn quickly. Yeah. I think I can handle one of the two, but come on. And then some of the people that have like a really heavy, I, I don't know England, but um, there's like a, a northern accent that is really hard to understand. <laughs> it's really hard to understand. But they probably say the same thing about like us and the typical Texans and stuff like that. But anyway. Have you ever watched that show that she was mentioning, uh, The Tunnel? No, I haven't. It sounds really interesting. Yeah, I've got to check it out. I've never heard of it, but I'll put it on my ever-expanding list of shows to check out. Yeah, yeah, it sounds it sounds really cool, especially now that we have a very intimate knowledge of where this takes place. Indeed. We did get one final message here from super friend Cesar. Oh. I had sent him some stickers and a t-shirt just because he's been very supportive and, you know, helping to spread the word. So he said, hey, what's up, brother? I've been meaning to text you. Thanks for the t-shirt and stickers. I wear the t-shirt out every time I go for a run. And the sticker is always with me when I go to work. And um, he's an EMT and a firefighter. So he sent, I guess, the thermos that he uses for work and had our sticker on there. So I just thought that was very sweet and wanted to share it. That is very sweet. And I appreciate wearing the t-shirt on your runs because I'm sure you see a lot of traffic. Very awesome for us too. <laughs> Helping to spread that word. That's right. Also, I'm sure you sent him a black t-shirt. Props because it's pretty hot over here in, in Texas. <laughs> No, he's not in Texas. He's in uh, in uh, Fredericksburg, Maryland. Oh, we have a Fredericksburg in Texas too. That's so funny. It's right outside of Austin. 
Yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, then in that case, yeah, I'm sure it's not as bad as it is here. Well, it's pretty humid over there. Yeah. Because he's pretty close to D.C. Mm, got it. So it's swamp ass central, I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in the summer. <laughs> yeah. I think I think of Houston when it's all swamp ass. Ooh, super muggy. Houston is probably the worst, I think. Because it's hot and it's humid. I know. That's a bad combo. It gets me in a bad mood, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I'm already in a bad mood most of the time, so you can just imagine me. Yeah, you were not even moved about this. Uh, you were like, whatever about this episode. <laughs> I, I was not like that at all. Lies, Isela. Lies. I'm just kidding. On that lovely note, congratulations, lovelies. <laughs> you've done it again, folks. You've learned along with us. Today really propelled us closer to, I won't use the word nerd status, but I will use the word intellectual badass status. <laughs> we hope you've been entertained by our chat and invite you to join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review, tell a friend, subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, at GreetingsTAC. Email us at greetingstac at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 915-317-6669 if you have a story to share with us. Yeah.